All right, are you ready to get into the Word today? Let's get into what God has for us. We're on our series called Core Strength. We're building our core, strengthen our core muscles, the core foundations of what God has for us as believers. So get your sermon notes out. You'll need those in your Bibles, your electronic devices. Let's open them up. Open them up to the beginning, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, the very first book of the Bible. Go to the table of contents and turn right. There you are. Core strength. I'm going to start reading in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2. Find my spot here. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 2. Are you there? You ready to say amen? Amen. All right, verse 15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, that uh, you shall not eat. (laughs) For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said... It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. We started speaking about this core strength series and we talked about core values. And when we're talking about building the church and we're wanting to build not churches in the structure, just building, but talking about building people. And when we talked about building something, God began to talk to me about being intentional and certain things that you do intentionally in in order to build something. And so we started looking at what does it look like and began asking God what it looks like to build a culture of the kingdom of heaven and, and get specific strategies on how to do that and how to, how to grow things and reach people in the ways that God wants to reach them and for us all to grow up into what he designed for us to do. You know, we, we want to become what he wants us to become, so how do we do that systematically? And so we just begin to ask those questions and begin to remind me that if we're going to create a kingdom culture then you got to realize that a kingdom culture doesn't happen by accident. How many realize that things don't happen by accident in your life? If you want to make a change, you know, we're starting this new year, and I'm going to change this, I'm going to change that. None of those things are going to happen just because. Just because you want to. That You don't accidentally lose 10 pounds. You don't accidentally get motivation. You don't accidentally, you know, make a significant change, whatever it may be. Something has to happen. Where we intentionally say, I was doing this, but now I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop. I'm going to start. It's a combination of all those things. So we begin to look at what is going to be for us to create this culture that God wants. And your culture is a result of the values that you embrace. So we thought, okay, we've got to realize what are are the values of the kingdom of God? What are the things that he wants us to value? So we talked about last week, the first one being his presence. And I've got 10 of them that we're going to go through. And they're not in any significant, uh, specific order other than the first one I think is the prime one that we said we want to be with him. His presence means everything. God's presence in your life is the number one priority. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Because we talked about if he's not with us, then why do we go anywhere from here? In other words, we want him with us. We're not saying, God, be with us, bless me, bless my plans, bless my ideas. We're saying, God, I'm going to pray, get in your presence, I'm going to find out what you want to do, and then I know I'm going to be blessed because I'm doing what you want. So when I ask him to be with us, we're asking, Lord, we want to be with you. That was the first one. Second one, the one we're going to focus on today, The first one deals with your vertical relationships, but the second one I think is vitally important. The second one is the second core value that we as a church is going to embrace and we're going to build on is we do life together. Relationships make us stronger. We do life together. One of the things that I've learned uh, about being in the body of Christ, I've been uh, in the body of Christ for a while, been serving in the body of Christ, I've been preaching uh, for several years, I should have added this up, since 1998. And so there's some, several things that you begin to observe over time. And one of the things that I've observed is that too many times we put, uh, how do I want to say it? That's a better way of saying it. Thank you. We, it is important, sometimes you've got to talk things through while you're up here listening. But so we, we put great emphasis on our vertical relationship with God, and it's wonderful we should. But I believe we de-emphasize too much the value of horizontal relationships. In other words, you'll hear people say, well, I don't, I really don't, uh, I love Jesus and I love God, I just don't like church. 
And they'll say this, I don't need church, I just need Jesus. And I understand where they're coming from, but I want to challenge you to think about it this way. Because the church is called the bride of Christ. And so if you were to come up to me and to say, Chad, man, I love you. You are awesome. Man, I, I just like being around you. I like talking to you. You're awesome. But man, I hate your wife. I just can't stand to be around her. She's so annoying. I just don't like anything about her. But I love you. How many knows that I'm not going to feel real warm and fuzzy about our relationship? Because it's going to be hard to love me and hate my wife. And I believe the same things about the church. I'm not saying you're going to love every church. And I'm not saying you're going to like this church. But I'm saying it is going to be very difficult for me to believe a person can be in love with Jesus and not be involved in the local body of Christ. You need to be able to love his church because his church is full of imperfect people, of which I am one. (laughs) But this is our desire, is that we want to do life together. We value relationships. So we see this here in Genesis chapter 2. I want to talk about this core value and see what it looks like on how to build relationships. If we're going to build relationships intentionally as a church, I want to talk to you about three ways that we're going to do that. One of the ways, the first way that we're going to build relationships, because if you're new here and and you're just getting to know Crossroads or getting connected, there's three ways that we want you to build relationships in the church. And the first one is in church services, and you're here, so welcome. Maybe you're watching online or listening by CD. But church services, that's the, the first way. I call those gatherings to attend. Gatherings to attend. And that's the initial launching part. It's the starting point. But it's not the stopping point. See, I believe for someone to really build relationships that's going to change your life, we need to go past just gatherings to attend. But I believe you've got to start there. And it's the, it's the big net. That's where you throw open the big net and anybody can come to church and, and you can set in rows and, and nobody's really looking at you. You're ever, you're, everybody's looking up here. And, and so the focus is not on you. It's on someone else. It's a safe environment. And we like that. We want gatherings to attend. I'm not against services. I love services. think they're vitally important. But I believe there's another step to go beyond if you're going to develop relationships. So the second way we're going to offer is after you come to church, you attend, you're like, okay, I kind of like it. I kind of like being here. I, I want to get to know more about it. Then we want to offer gatherings to serve. So we call those our dream team. And our dream team is made up of our people that are serving to make church happen, make life happen outside of a service. The, our dream team is our, our volunteer people where we're getting together to serve one with another. Because I believe, when I'm putting these core values together, one of the values that I believed in as coming up as a believer is I believe you should serve in the body of Christ. I believe you should serve in the local church. We have a phrase around here we use called attend one, serve one. It's one of the beauties of having multiple services because what we wanted to create is an environment where I can come and attend a service and I can receive, and then I also have an opportunity in another service to serve and be a blessing to someone else so that I can go watch someone else's kids so that they can come in and worship like I just got to worship. I can go and greet someone at the door like I was just greeted, or I can go check in a child, or I can come and be an usher. I can, I'm serving because I believe God wants us to be people that are willing to serve. Jesus said the greatest in his kingdom was the one who's the servant of them all. So we believe in the value of serving. We believe in attending one and serving one. You're like, man, I'm, you, you want me to come to church twice? I want you to attend one, receive, then we want you to pour out and help others. Because when you begin to serve with the team, you're going to build relationships, you're going to get connected to know people. Some people come in, they're like, I just, there's no way I can get known with all these people. How am I going to get connected? The first way we give you an opportunity, go through growth track, get on the dream team, you start serving with people, you're going to get to know people, you're going to get connected with people. That's how you start building relationships, but we're not done there. The next level that we want to do, we want to offer the third way we want you to build relationships is through connect groups. We're getting ready to start our Connect Group semester coming up, and we believe, we're wholehearted. We started this journey back in 1999. I went to a church down in Louisiana, and I came back from that church, and God put in my heart, they, they talked about cell groups back then, what they were called, and, and uh, so God put in my heart, hey, there's something different I want to do, and he spoke these words to me, that the church of tomorrow will not look like the church of today. 
So I came back and I started talking about that. I didn't know what it looked like and I, I had no grasp on what it was going to be. But I believe God was beginning to show us that he wanted to do something different than just gatherings to attend. I wanted to create connect groups, what we call gatherings to belong. Gatherings to belong. So here's some things we want to do in connect groups. Three things that I believe are important in, that we're going to do in these gatherings to belong. Build relationships. Grow in the truth of God's word and support one another in life. Here's the, the vision that we have, a connect group vision for CBC, is to offer an environment where people have the opportunity to pursue healthy relationships and experience spiritual growth through care and accountability. It's not just in gatherings to attend, but again, it's in gatherings to serve and gatherings to belong. I found this verse. You know how your 2020 vision is like the perfect vision? You got 2020 vision? Well, Acts 2020, I believe, is the perfect vision of how God wants to build a healthy church. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 20. Paul's writing, and he says this, I kept back nothing that was helpful to you. I didn't hold anything back. I gave it all to you, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Notice the two dynamics. Publicly, gatherings to attend, and then also house to house, gatherings to belong. I believe connect groups are the way for us to grow from just sitting in rows and attending because there's, some things, there's something different about, we can sit in rows, but when you sit in rows, there's something different about when we sit in a circle. You sit in a row, you sit side by side, there's some things that will never happen side by side that will only happen face to face. And I believe God wants to build a culture of believers where they're willing to get face to face. You know how hard it is when you see people at church. Maybe you don't even go to the same service as them. They're first service people. You're second service people. And you run into them maybe in transition between services. Hey, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. That was as deep as you got. It's hard to do life like that, to grow in your relationship with Jesus when, only, when the only thing you have is side-by-side support. Somewhere, we need to be able to get face-to-face, and this is what we're talking about. This is what we're inviting. We want to do life together because we believe relationships make us stronger. So we want to do it side-by-side. It's not just about the rows. It's about circles. Let's circle the wagons. Let's circle up. Get together face-to-face so we can get to know more about each other. We We want to change the dynamic of living the Christian life because I found this in the New Testament church. They didn't just do church. They live the Christian life out loud every day. So here's the goal. I think how can we continue to build a culture where we don't just do church. We do church. We do gatherings to to attend. But above and beyond that, we also do life so that somebody can know where you are and who you are. It's a big value. Big value. So we're going to talk about that, see what it looks like. Two types of groups that we're going to have. Two types of groups specifically. One are semester groups. Semester groups, we're getting ready to start those. These are going to be topical. They'll be 12 to 13 weeks long. You can get involved with these groups. Hey, I want to go into a, a group on marriage, or I want to go into a group on, on cycling, or I want to go into... These are topical groups, and they're, all, they're free market. It could be on anything. You can create a connect group about anything that you want, as long as it's supported by the Word of God, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> just a little sidebar there, but disclaimer. But, you know, this, these are topical, and these connect groups... You know, as long as there's room during that 12 to 13 weeks, anybody can jump in and be a part of that. If you get in late, say, hey, I want to join that group. As long as there's room, they'll make room for you. That's one type of group. The other type of group is something we've just started last year. We're just getting momentum for. This is called community groups. Community groups are a little bit different in that they're more long-term relationally. The, the idea is to build a culture where people are doing life together. These community groups will be a little more like a one year that they're going to commit to get together. The topic could change. The times, the location could be changed because, you know, we got things going on with kids and the group itself could say, you know what, we're not going to meet this week or we're going to move to this day. And, and that's a different thing because they're doing life together. So a community group is going to be different in this way as well, is they're going to close after a couple weeks. And here's why. We want to create authentic situations for people to build relationships. 
So what these community groups are going to be is people get together and after a couple weeks, they're going to realize who's here and they're going to start building relationships. So they're going to close because we want that authenticity to be protected so that I can be open and honest with the people in that group that I'm developing a relationship with. And I don't have new people coming in all the time that I don't know who they are and don't know whether I can trust them. So it's going to be a little different for community groups, but, but still welcome to get involved in a connect group, just giving you the distinction between those two. But we understand the value of that community group is we want you to do life together with people. Want you to get to know people. Want you to, to talk about just everyday ordinary things. And sometimes in gatherings to attend, we don't get down to the things that are bothering you. We don't address the specifics. Sometimes it's easy to hide in a large group. It's easy to hide in a large group. It's easy for no one to know your name. In the rows, nobody knows. But when we get face to face, we all need that kind of person in our life. We need that person that's been watching us that says, you know what? Um, man, just lately some things you've been saying, I'm a little worried about you. I've just been watching you. You seem a little down. You seem a little distant. Who in your life is able to say that to you? And that's what we believe connect groups can do. They can bring that authenticity and bring opportunity for us to grow together. And we'll talk about that more in just a little bit. Look here in, in Genesis chapter 2. I want you to see that relationships are important to God. And not just vertical relationships. Again, some people are great with vertical relationships. They're all about the vertical, but they're not so much on the horizontal. But here's what God says. How many knows we should trust what God says more than what we think? Is God always right? Let's just say that again. Is God always right, yes or no? So God is always right, and if God is right and I don't agree with him, then I am very good, very good. Sometimes it's not easy to say that for some people, but we're working through it. But look what it says in, in uh, chapter 1. Well, let me give you this background. Remember God created the heavens and the earth in chapter 1? He's making everything. He's, he's making trees and plants and fish and all this stuff. And he says that everything that he made, he saw that it was good and he said it was good. He saw that it's good, and he said it's good. Matter of fact, in Genesis 1.31, said God saw everything that he made, and it was very good. He's like, man, this is very good. I did a great job. He was very excited about his creation. So then he took this man he created, and he placed him in this garden that he personally had planted himself in Eden. And he put Adam in there and gave him some instructions, what to eat, what not to eat, how, what to do this, how to take care of the garden. And then he kind of just watched Adam do life. And as he's watching Adam do life, for the first time in recorded history, God saw something that was not good. He looks around and sees Adam doing life and with these animals and hanging out with these animals. And, and in verse 18, we read it here that, God looks down on him and he says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Everybody say alone. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him or I'll make him someone suitable. I'll make him a counterpart. All the animals had a male and a female and they worked together and, and they were in harmony together, but Adam didn't have anybody. He was alone. And notice what the word alone means there in the Hebrew. The word, the word alone means Separated. Apart from, by itself. Now notice God said it is not good for man to be alone, a piece of something, a single unit. And I thought this was funny when I did a little research on this. I realized that the Hebrew word for alone was the word bod. You see it spelled there? B-A-D. So even God was saying it is bad, bad to be alone. Some of you catch that reference. But it's bad. I just thought that was kind of funny, that alone is bad. God says it's not good for man to be alone. He wants, he wants us to be with someone. It's not good for us to be separated. It's not good to be an island. It's not good to be off by yourself. It's not good to be, it's not good to be detached. God says stay attached. Sometimes it's not easy to stay attached. Sometimes there's things pulling against our attachment. We've got to stay attached because I'm telling you, God is trying to isolate. Or God is trying, sorry. The enemy's trying to isolate. Interpret. You know what I was saying. The enemy's trying to isolate. How many of you watch any nature shows? I was raised Marlon Perkins. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. 
And, and Marlon had this great helper, Jim. How many remember Jim? Jim was the guy who'd be wrestling the alligator while Marlon is talking to the camera. But I was watching these nature shows, and one of the things that would happen as I was a little kid is they would talk about how certain animals, certain predators, their strategy was to pick out sick, weakly animals and begin to come between them and the herd. They were trying to isolate them, get them off by themselves. And they would get them off by themselves, and then they would gang up on them and begin to attack that one because they could not handle the herd. But if they could get one off by themselves, it was lunchtime. I was traumatized by some of the footage that I saw. But these animals, you saw that cheetah just standing there with a little antelope and his throat in his mouth. But I begin to see an analogy that compares to the body of Christ. That sometimes the enemy wants to come in and cause a wound in our life. Catch us at a weak moment. Catch us at a sick moment. And his objective is to begin to separate you from the herd. His objective is to begin to come between you and a body that will defend you. A body that will protect you. He can't deal with the whole body, but if he can get you off by yourself... It's not good that man should be alone. He's after that. So we say a core value is we want to do life together. Brene Brown, she was a social scientist. Here's what she said. A core need of all humanity is to be connected. We are neurobiologically wired to be connected. Even scientists are saying we are created to be connected. It's part of who we are. One of the greatest fears that people deal with is that they will not belong to something. This was a major deal in childhood. Growing up as a child, you're wanting to belong. You're wanting to fit in. You want to be part of the group. I wanted to fit in. I want to be a part. And I started growing, started outgrowing all my friends. And all of a sudden, I was too tall to hang out with some of them. Like, you're weird. And so I felt out as an outcast, my friends, I still remember this. I'm, I've talked about it before, but I think it's so funny. I don't remember what grade it was. I can tell you the classroom that it was. I can tell you where they were seated, seating when they came up with the comic strip club. And I walked back to the desks, and they were turned in talking to each other. And I heard them say something about the comic strip club. And I said, hey, hey, can I, can I be in the club? And they said, no. Yeah. See, it wasn't, it wasn't that I cared about the great accomplishments that were going to be had by the comic strip club. I just wanted to belong. I wanted to be a part. This is why some people join gangs. Not because they want to do bad things. Because they want to belong to something. They want someone to care for them. They want some them, someone to connect with them. It's wired in us to be connected. And so this is what... God's saying, I want you to do something about that connection. You want to resist that. So now, can we invite people? Can we create a culture? I believe this is the heart of God. Can we create a culture that welcomes people to belong before they become? See, here's the value of what getting in circles and connect groups offer. Here's, I, I believe that there's people that want to come to your group, that will come to your house that would not come to this church. But they would come into your house they're like, I ain't going to your church, but I'll come over. And we're not going to say, hey, no, no, if you don't come to our church, you can't be a part of our groups. No, no. We want to welcome them to belong, and we believe through that relationship they will want to become, that they will want to believe. So it's inviting people to make that connection, to say, wait a minute, you have a need to belong we want to give you that opportunity to belong to something, to someone who loves you just as you are. He may not want us to stay as we are, but he loves us as we are. It's valuable that we understand that principle and what God wants to do in our life. So the key to building that culture, I think, is found in verse 25 of chapter 2. Key to building this connecting culture is vulnerable, being vulnerable and authentic. Look what it says in verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not what? They were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. So they were naked. The word naked to me speaks of being vulnerable, being open, being authentic. 
being transparent. I believe in the kingdom culture that vulnerability is not weakness. I believe vulnerability is not something that we should be ashamed of. It's something we should embrace. Being transparent is not something we should be afraid of because the world tells us that transparency and being uh, um, authentic and being vulnerable is going to lead to disconnection. Because if they know the truth about me, they don't want to be around me. If they will know what's really going on inside of me, then they won't want to be around me. So if I'm vulnerable and I'm authentic, it will lead to disconnection. And I believe the opposite is really true. That God says when we're vulnerable and authentic, it's going to bring us to a place of greater connection when it's operating in the kingdom of God. Notice what happens in the sin culture. Vulnerability is the core of shame, fear, struggle, struggle for worthiness. But in the kingdom culture, vulnerability is the birthplace of joy, love, and belonging. This is the kind of culture that we want to help create. There's no shame and vulnerability. There's no weakness. It's open and honest. It's, it's being real with people. It's being authentic. It's letting people know where you are and letting them know about I'm not saying you have to do this with everybody. This is what I'm talking about, getting in these groups and building trusted relationships so that I can be honest. And I'm not sharing it in the gatherings to attend for everyone to know my business, but in my gatherings where I belong, there's a safety for me to say this is what's going on in my home and nobody knows. We come to church, my spouse and I, we sit side by side. Everything looks good. But when we get home in a circle and we have to face each other, it's not good. This is what God's wanting to do, give opportunity for us to have a place to open up and talk about that. Connection can only happen when we allow ourselves to be truly seen and deeply seen. Here's what happened. I think there's a problem for the church. People on the outside of the church world have this idea that the people inside the church, it's a group of people that are not never failed and have never made any mistakes. Or this is a group of people got their, their life all together, so I'm not, I don't deserve to hang out in there. I can't be in there. How many has ever heard this spoken by someone that said, if I show up in that place, the roof will cave in? You've heard that? Well, the reason you've heard that is because they've got this perception that the church is a group of people that got everything all together and never make any mistakes. But you couldn't be further from the truth because we're not talking about our perfection. Our goodness is what causes us to gather together. We can, we've got to be where we're not ashamed of our imperfections and we bring it to Jesus and we realize that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that makes any of us worthy. It's the only thing that makes any of us deserving. When we embrace that culture, it welcomes people to belong before they even become what Jesus created them to become. But as long as we look down and say, wait a minute, if you get your behavior right, then you can become. Then you can belong, rather. We want them to belong before. We want at least to give them that invitation to belong before. Because sometimes... uh, you know, when we sit side by side in church services, we put on our good faces. You know, we show up on Sunday and everybody's got their Christianese. Everybody's talking nice. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy. Hey, how are you? Bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. <laughs> Whatever it may be for you. I don't know what it is. Everybody's got their, their thing. And you know you just got an argument in the car before you walked in the building. And that hospitality team, they greet you at the door. And you're like, oh, hi, how are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. <laughs> so how, <laughs> how, do we, how do we walk past that? How do we walk past that? Because in rows where nobody knows, I'll be able to hide that. See, the enemy wants us to start to get disconnected. And you know by the time the rows know that you're disconnected, you've been disconnected for a while. From someone who speaks up here all the time and watches people, it's one thing I've learned over, again, however many years that is. That's a lot. Almost 20. Wow. I started when I was 10. So, no, I was just kidding. So, but one thing you, one thing that I've watched you can observe people start to get disconnected. You can watch it happen. 
And it's sad. Sometimes you're like, okay, Lord, what's my responsibility in doing it? And sometimes there is. Sometimes you take measures and all that. But the enemy wants you to slowly begin disconnected. And by the time it's visible in the rows, it's been happening underneath for a long time. So we got to get in circles and catch it before it even gets any momentum. So being vulnerable, being vulnerable. Look at what happened in chapter 3. Vulnerable was, is a great kingdom principle, but it got distorted by sin. Look in, in chapter 3. I'm just going to give you one verse in Genesis chapter 3. This is after Adam ate the fruit, right, after they sinned. Here's what he said to God. I heard your voice in the garden, and uh, I was afraid because I was naked. Remember in verse 25, they were naked and they weren't ashamed. But here they were naked, and he was afraid because he was naked, and I hid myself. I began, to, I began to be disconnected because I was afraid. Because worldly vulnerability is about fear. I can't be vulnerable. I'm afraid to be vulnerable. I'm afraid to show people my life. Here's what the definition of vulnerability is. Do you ever wonder why a man never wants to be vulnerable? <laughs> Here's the definition according to Webster. Check this out. Here's what it says. It says, capable of easily being physically or emotionally wounded. Open to attack or damage. Assailable. Now, who wants to sign up for that? Yeah, can I please be vulnerable? I want to be easily, physically, or emotionally damaged. I'd like to be assailable, and I, I would like to be open to attack or damage, please. Let me be vulnerable. Nobody wants to do that, but that's not the kingdom definition of vulnerability. That's the worldly definition. And because this definition has been given to us, then now we've been afraid to be vulnerable because we believe that vulnerability leads to disconnection. Adam did the same thing. I sinned. I was afraid. If I let you know it, if I run to God with my sin, if I'm vulnerable to God with my sin, you'll be mad at me, so I'm going to hide myself and disconnect myself. See, so our fear keeps us from being vulnerable and keeps us from being healed. Can I just say this to you? You know, if you, uh, I'm not a, a doctor, although I played one on television. If you have a, if you, <laughs> some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if, if you have a, a wound and if you don't wash it properly and it heals over, then underneath there, infection gets in and it causes you problems from the inside out. And that wound has to be, uh, you ever had, like I've scraped my leg, was riding a bike and crashed? My kids did this. You know, that's the worst thing for, for kids, to scratch their, you know, their knee and they just raw skin there. And you get to go in and spray that hydrogen peroxide over the top. They love that. So anyway, <laughs> it bubbles up. It's all pretty. But, but what happens is you have to, sometimes you have to scrape the scab off and for it to begin to heal right. And sometimes in our issues, we haven't allowed them to heal upright. They've just scabbed over. And they keep on bothering us the rest of our life until that thing gets ripped off, exposed. We're vulnerable and say, here's my issue. Now healing can come. Vulnerability leads to healing. It's important. But here's what happens. Here's the enemy of it. Shame and fear. Shame and fear will try and destroy connections. Here's two things that I believe shame and fear says. Number one, shame and fear will tell you you're not good enough. This is what it said to Adam. It convinced Adam to sin, and once Adam sinned, it said, now you're not good enough for God. Go hide yourself and disconnect from him. And this is what happens in relationships. People feel like they're not good enough to belong to a church body. I'm not good enough to be in relationships. He will convince you that you've done too much. You're not all those people up in that church. They're better than you. They haven't done what you've done. They, they're nothing like you. You cannot be connected. He will try and convince you you're not good enough. He will try and do that. He will bring guilt and condemnation to things that you've done and try and convince you that you need to stay out of relationship. But I want you to know something. Our perfection does not make us worthy of love and belonging. What makes us worthy of being loved and belonging is the fact that we exist. I'm going to say something very important for you right now. You need to hear this. You are worthy of being loved and belonging just because you're alive. Sometimes this, this, 
word that we're talking about, shame and fear comes. He's trying to disconnect you from the love of God. It's not saying everything that I've done is okay. It's not, it's not saying everything that I've done is okay with God. It's telling me this, that I am worthy to be loved. I am worthy to belong because God said so. God said I was. See, sometimes we get into this, you're not worthy, uh, and, and it starts to drive us down, and some people will adopt this mentality, and, and they will disconnect themselves from God. And you know people that, that struggle with believing that they're worthy of being loved and belonging? The difference, if you've got two people, let's say it this way, one person that, that easily seems to be loved and belonged and belong to something that they don't really struggle with it, and a person who struggles mightily to feel like they earn it, they're worth it, and they deserve it. You know the difference between those two people? It's not complicated. The difference between those two people is the ones who don't struggle with it actually believe they're worthy. I'm not talking about worthy like deserving salvation. Sometimes we hear worthy in church and we start, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I understand we're not worthy of salvation by grace, but you are worthy of being loved by God. You're worthy of it. Say, no, no, I'm, I'm just worthless. Well, that leads to the second thing. The shame and fear will tell you. The second thing he tries to tell you is who do you think you are? If he can't get you with the first one, he'll try the second one. The first one says you're not good enough, but if he can't get you with that, then you start believing that you are something, then he'll try and get you with who do you think you are. But I've got, a, I've got news for you. Here's what the Bible says, because he's trying to bring a false humility. One of the enemies of connection is people won't embrace who they are in Christ because they've been told they don't deserve it. They're worthless. They're worthless. They're worthless. I'm going to tell you something. I'm, again, not attacking uh, salvation by grace. Absolutely, I believe in that wholeheartedly. But I'm telling you, I am worthy to be loved by God, not because of what I've done, but because of what he says. You are worth the love of God. You are worthy to be loved. How do I know how worthy you are? Because Jesus left heaven to come and take on the form of a man and die on a cross for you. You are worthy to be loved. You can't tell me I'm worthless. You can't tell me I'm good for nothing, worthless piece of trash, just a worthless sinner. I'm not worthless. I'm worthy of the blood of Jesus. He thought I was worthy, so I might as well accept it. I'm not saying I deserve it, but I'm saying you're worthy to be loved. You're worthy to be loved. And that's what God's trying to get across to us. He wants us to connect on that emotional level. Let me give you Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. We just sang about it. <laughs> You're no longer a slave but a son or a daughter. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You're not worthless. If you are born again, you are a son or a daughter, and you are an heir of God through Jesus Christ. So now if we can be loved, if we can receive that love for ourselves, we can begin to give it to other people because God created us for vertical and horizontal relationships. But I'm telling you this, guys, we experience this. I'm never going to be good at horizontal relationships with others if I'm not good at my relationship with myself. Matthew chapter 22, the greatest commandment. Here's what it says. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first commandment, all right? Vertical, love God. Second commandment is like it. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. We've been so taught and ingrained that we're supposed to Remind ourselves how little we are. We forgot to remind ourselves whose we are. We are sons and daughters of God. We are heirs according to uh, heirs of God through Christ Jesus. And so I cannot love someone else with something I will not receive for myself. I will not get connected with others and release them and give them freedom, give them grace if I will not give myself grace. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, have ever struggled with forgiving yourself? That sometimes it's a lot easier for us to forgive others than it is ourselves. Sometimes we can let others off the hook and we'll beat ourselves senseless with our imperfection. I'm not worthy, God. I'm not worthy. He says, I know. No, but I'm not worthy. I know. But Lord, I'm not worthy. Every day, over and over and over. But he loves us. We need to receive his love and let him bring us out of our situation and through relationship learn to obey God. Not trying to obey God so we can have a good relationship. 
It's the other way around. So if we have this right in our connect groups, this is why I think it's more valuable for us to go face-to-face because God needs you. He desires for you to pour into someone else. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to close here. God wants us to be good at vertical relationships, but he wants us to be good at horizontal relationships. Sometimes in a struggle, can I, can I throw this out, I guess? Um, sometimes the part of joining together in relationships with other people, you know some of the two most powerful words you can use in helping something, somebody walk something out? Ready? They're very powerful. Two words. Me too. Me too. Like, no, you too? Yeah. Yeah, I used to struggle with that a lot. Or I still have to remind myself of this, me too. Sometimes, it's not bringing myself down where I got to make up sin so I can relate. (laughs) I got to become sin again. So, yeah, yeah, I'm really bad. Don't try and pretend. (laughs) Don't try and make up sin so you look cool. It's not cool to sin. It's cool to be a son or daughter of God. So don't think you have to make up sin to relate to people. What we relate is how we transition from where we are to where God wants us to be, whatever level that is. So I relate with the difficulty as I'm transitioning. Maybe my point of transition is different from yours, but my transition difficulty is still the same. So I can relate on what that's talking about. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at your neighbor and say, me too. Me too. All right, look at verse uh, 15. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Here's what we're going to do in gatherings to belong. We're going to be able to speak the truth in love. Relationships. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by through what every joint supplies. Through what every joint supplies. Notice what's happening. Here's why God needs you in a horizontal relationships and needs you to help others. Because you have something. Go, Stay back there on verse 15. Because you have something to supply. The whole body joined and knit together by what? What do we knit together by? We're knit together by what every joint supplies. Every single one of you are joints. Now, if you had a drug background, that may be hard for you to admit right now. But I'm just saying. But every one of you are joints like the body. You have something. You are a part to play. You, you have something to offer people around you. And this is what joins the body together. By everyone doing their share, going to verse 17, or continue 16 rather, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying with love. So now we understand that God's wanting to connect, wanting to build by everybody doing their share. So here's the invitation that I believe we, when we say this core value, we do life together. I believe for God to build this church into the culture that he wants it to be, is that we're going to embrace building together and building relationships transparently, authentically. You, maybe you don't know everybody. You know, I remember a time when, when I knew everybody. It seemed like that I knew who everybody was and we were, we were smaller and, and we, ha- we had, uh, had uh, the setting where, you know, everybody always got together and everybody knew everybody's name, everybody knew everybody's business. But that, in gatherings to attend... We're not going to know everybody, and I'm okay with that because our goal is to continue to reach people for Jesus and build a culture where you can get involved in our serving and get involved in our belonging and connect groups, and you can create your own group. So I'm asking you, who, is, who are you doing life with? Who are you connecting with face-to-face? Who are you pouring into and who is pouring into you? I believe every person should have both in their life. You should have someone that's pouring into you on a regular basis, speaking into your life. Someone you can be real with, someone you can be transparent with. Someone that you can say, hey, <laughs> I about shot somebody today. I just had to tell you. I just, I'm sorry. I wouldn't say that in a gathering to attend that would go online for everybody to know it, but I just about did. <laughs> I kind of liked it. I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is. And maybe it could be a whole lot bigger than that. Maybe something that, hey, I'm having thoughts about this person at work. And I don't want to do anything that I shouldn't do, but 
feeling tempted. They're showing me a lot of attention and things aren't good at home right now. I haven't had a compliment in six months. And they're complimenting all of Can we be authentic? See, we got to do life as Christians and stop putting on a mask. Because remember, we all got both a mask and a blind spot. And I believe only when you're in groups that are face-to-face can you start to remove those. A mask, things that we put on that I know about myself that you don't know because I'm behind the mask. Blind spot, there are things that you see about me that I don't see. And we all have them. I need somebody in my life that's going to help me. Yeah, how many of you have ever watched someone from a distance and you've watched their life, maybe a loved one, family member, good friend, and they start making choices and decisions and you're like, what are you doing? What, have you lost your mind? Or maybe you've decided to do something or you've, you've had an idea, hey, I think I'm going to do this. And when you say it out loud around people that care about you, they go, what? Are you crazy? Oh, seemed like a good idea. Because <laughs> sometimes in our head, there's voices talking to us. And these voices paint this picture of what we ought to do to solve our problems. This is what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah, that'll fix it. And if you'll get with someone that you can trust and you can say, hey, here's the idea. Here's what I think I'm going to do to fix my problem. If you're talking to a believer, someone that you can trust, they may look at you and go, that is the worst idea I have ever heard. And that'll be the most valuable conversation you ever had. You need someone that'll help you with your blind spot. I need someone to come to me and say, hey, Chad. Um, lately, you know, some things have been coming out of your mouth that it's not you, man. What's going on? Something about your face lately. <laughs> I've just been noticing your countenance is down. Who's going to come talk to you? Maybe you post something good friend comes to you and says, hey, I saw your post. You okay? Everything all right? We need these face-to-face relationships if we're going to do life as Christians. I want to build a culture where we're not trying to pretend. We're not trying to tell them we're pretending. We're not trying to tell them we have it all together. If you come in here, you better have it all together. I want you to be real. I want you to have an opportunity where you can be honest. I want you to have an opportunity that you have groups and connections that are going to help you walk out Christianity in large groups to attend, gatherings, groups to serve, and then groups to belong. Who's in your face in your life? Is anybody? Who's up in your grill that's able to look to you? I got got some close people in my life that uh, they don't hold anything back. They will flat out tell me, hey, you're off. Man, you're, I really don't like, I don't really, whatever it may be. I've got some scenarios that come up. Do you use the example? Okay, I'll use the example. I had, sorry, just try to be transparent. Uh, I had a good pastor friend of mine, one of my mentors. I had a voicemail message. He called me. And I couldn't get to the call, so it went to voicemail. And I get the voicemail message. He says, hey, call me back. I'm like, okay, call him back. First thing he says is, hey, you all right? I said, yeah, why? He said, you better change that voicemail message. You sound like you're in a rush, in a hurry, and you didn't have time to talk to me. You better change it. Uh, 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 yes, 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 sir. Yes, sir. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about. I'm just saying we have to have something. And that's trivial to you, but I changed the voicemail message that day. He called me back. I answered. He said, don't answer. <laughs> I said, why not? He said, I want to listen to your voicemail message. 
He listened to it and he left me a message. Good job. So I don't know what it is for you, but you need somebody in your life that's willing to say stuff like that. And you need to have somebody that you're speaking into because it's not about us. So when we do our connect groups coming up, I want to encourage you to get involved, maybe leading a group, saying, you know what? Some of you have more to offer than you know. There's more stored up inside of you that you need to release into someone's life. And I just want to encourage you to do it. But some of it is getting past our disconnections. And I believe what God wants to do is heal some disconnections. So I'm going to pray. If you would, just bow your heads with me. I want to pray first for those that are feeling disconnected from God, disconnected from a church family, disconnected because you were hurt. I've been there. I've been place where I've disconnected from a church family because of my own hurt, my own issues, things that were, were my fault, not my fault, combination of all of that. I've been there. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you're experiencing some of that. Or maybe it's something different that you just feel disconnected from people, something that's happened. You don't feel worthy to be loved. You, you know you've messed up. Your life is just a track record of mess-ups and screw-ups. But I'm telling you, you're worthy to be loved. You're worthy to belong. So embrace it and allow God to bring you to a place of relationship that will restore you into becoming everything God has for you to become. So any disconnections, I pray now in the name of Jesus, any hurt, any old wounds, anything, God, that would cause us to be separated from you and separated from people, we refuse it. We ask it to be removed in the name of Jesus. We renounce it. We go back to that source and we say, God, forgive me for allowing that to come between us, for allowing it to become between me and them. Lord, we want to do life together. So I pray for a healing of wounds, healing of church wounds, healing of relationship wounds, family wounds, healing of friend wounds that caused you to be disconnected, shame and fear that caused you to run and hide and to pull away. God says, come on, come back, come back, be vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable. The problem is that we've just got the wrong definition. We've got to get the kingdom definition. So I pray that healing over every wound in this body in Jesus' name. Those watching online, those listening by CD, I pray that every wound, Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, begin to move in their heart and bring healing to them, that they will be able to connect again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for building a culture where we can belong to you and have the freedom to become as you show us how. Bless you, Jesus.